This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Here in your here's my hair. So did, is there literally nothing that happened? This week, this week, there's not a lot that happened. Taylor was on vacation, sending beautiful That's photos right, in, in high, 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 Hawaii, Hawaii. Yep, he's in Hawaii. Yeah, it looked beautiful. I felt very cold here while he was over there enjoying some some time away with his family before he jets off to Amsterdam for Laracon EU at the end of this month. Looks like they're having a pretty rough time of it over there. Yeah, you know? it looks rough life down in Hawaii. Looked hard. Looked hard. Flying yeah. over Jurassic <laughs> Park and going on helicopter rides. Abigail was on some helicopter rides with the kids. So I saw that. Yeah, that looked like a lot craziness. of fun. Yeah, looked awesome. Looked awesome. So looked like they're having a great time. So good for them. Work hard, play hard. Right. That's it. I think it after it goes. after you know getting everything organized for Laracon and Laracon happening and. The big Nova reveal and all of that. I think it was a yep. well well earned break. Absolutely, I know David. Uh, our good friend David Hempel is also on vacation right now. Yeah, he just took off as well, off to Panama City. Yep, did he not, say? I think that's right. Yeah, that didn't stop me from playing him in some uh, fight cade tonight. Yeah. So uh, we played some Street Fighter too. Is that why I was waiting and, for you? Was uh, it? <laughs> maybe <laughs> I can't say it was even because I think he still beat me yeah. more times than I beat him. <laughs> But I'm getting better. We're getting there. Nice. We're getting there. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, well, why don't we jump in here? Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This is episode 67. It looks like the last thing that we left off with was introducing Laravel Nova, which is now in beta release. So if you were one of the ones who signed up quickly on the uh, email list and you were one of the first there, it's possible that you would have been one of those that was specially chosen to get an early version beta release yeah. of Nova. Now, as far as I understand it, it's really not like there's a whole lot of changes happening with Nova itself. I think it's more like documentation and pages for purchase mm-hmm, and things like mm-hmm. that that are going that are being worked on right now. So it's not like beta as in there's a lot of changes yet to be made and this is just a beta. But anyway, yeah. So I think you can safely develop on it at this point and still like, you know, once the real one comes up, you can kind of just migrate pretty easily. Yeah, and we talked about this last last episode as well, that there would probably be some little things that inevitably inevitably pop up once we're in user land and we've got real users starting to to play around with it and develop out applications. But uh, yeah, from what I've heard from a couple of people that have been developing with it, it's it's pretty solid. And they've uh, some of the th- I was talking to to Till Cruz actually, and uh, yeah, some of the stuff that I was talking to him about. I said, "Gee, that'd be really good if I could do a, a file upload component." And he's like, "Yep, done, done that." I said, "No, I just need to hook it into Vimeo." So yeah, it'd be, it'd be cool to to start playing around with that. Not not too long. Yeah, it's now. pretty. I mean, I love the fact that they they make it so dang extendable. Like you have all the custom custom fields, custom cards, custom resources, or I don't know if it's custom resources, custom actions. There's a whole bunch of stuff, yeah. right? Actions, lenses. I mean, yeah, lots of custom. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. 
I will say it has landed me an additional gig. Just being able to say that, yeah, I have this great backend tool that I'm going to be using. Nice. Was, was able to push over kind of the edge one of these clients that I've been waiting on to do something with. Well, that's good. And they're always like, yeah, well, what about the backend stuff and whatever, whatever. And it's like, uh, well, it's just going to take a lot, a lot of time. And they're like, yeah, okay, but we need it faster than that. Yeah. And so I was able to say, yep, we can do it faster than that. And they're like, finally, okay, great, let's do it. Yeah, and this is so, this is one of the, anyway. the greatest things I think for Taylor is the amount of developers out there that use Laravel and the tools around in the ecosystem that just make their lives easier and make lives easier for their clients. And I think we're going to, we'll probably hear a lot more stories like this going forward with people that are using or that are leveraging Nova to, to build our application applications for them, for themselves and for clients as well. Absolutely. Okay. So here's what I think we should do with the show today. So we've got a couple tutorials out there. So I'm going to kind of uh, hit the top levels of those right now. We've got Toml configuration and PHP. We've got Jigsaw and Netlify done by our very own Mr. Michael Dorinda. We have customizing the Laravel view path. And then we've got updates to 5.7 or not updates to 5.7, but things that are coming in 5.7, resource directory changes and callable action URLs. Then we've got some packages as well as a security release. So we've got Laravel Befriended, Laravel Love, Maisie Email Framework, uh, and the Laravel Docs workflow for Alfred. So, and then we've got a security release. So I think we'll kind of hit those ones uh, that may still leave us at a pretty uh, slim show. So I think if we're going to do community links, this might be a week to do it. So yeah. let's see how it goes. And and uh, if we have some time at the end, we'll we'll throw some in there. How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Excellent. Okay. So let's start out with this introduction to Toml configuration in PHP. Have you had a chance to read through this one? I haven't read it. Uh, the only time I've really heard of Toml was in playing around with Netlify, actually, because I'm pretty sure they use this Toml configuration. Yeah. And it's possible that you've seen this before. So uh, I think the first place that I've ran into it, and I think, this is, I think it talks about it even in here, is Supervisor. Mm-hmm. So I think if you've ever configured supervisor, it uses, I think I thought it was supervisor. Anyway, essentially what this is, is so think of YAML, right? Uh, And I'm not even sure what YAML stands for, honestly, but a lot of times, so like, for example, in Jigsaw, Jigsaw uses YAML front matter. So a lot of times on like static site generators or something, they'll have YAML in there, Mm -hmm. right? In addition to Markdown and those sorts of things. And it just gives you a convenient way to define keys that are associated with values. So there's Toml, which is uh, sort of the same sort of thing. So it says Toml aims to be a minimal configuration file format that's easy to read due to the obvious semantics. Toml is designed to map unambiguously to a hash table. Should be easy to parse into data structures in a wide variety of languages. So what this is, is this is essentially the ability to use Toml, which which actually stands for Tom's obvious minimal language in your PHP projects, your PHP 7.1 plus projects. So essentially, uh, it's a very, very simple configuration. You can look through the through the blog post here. This seems like something that you might need. It would be worth your time to take a look at this package and how it will uh, parse this out for you. And there's some configuration examples, building a Toml configuration file. Uh, it shows you how it handles dates and it looks like it's all around a pretty interesting read. Yeah. So. Check that out if you get a chance. Uh, I don't know if it would do a lot of good to actually read it on air, but it looks really interesting <laughs> in any case. Yeah, if you if you have a look, if you do get a chance to have a look at the post that we link up for basically your your benefit to see how you might use it or what it might look like, I believe it's Paul that wrote this article. Of course, it's Paul that wrote this article. He's he's basically taken Laravel's default database configuration and converted it to Toml just to just to show you what it might look like 
And, you know, you can put indentation in there, which is legal. So it's valid in the context of the document, but it's not necessary. So you've got sections that are separated by periods in a similar way to Laravel's configuration dot notation. And then under that, you've got values, uh, key value pairs. So uh, definitely check it out. It will be in the show notes. I don't, I mean, you, you wouldn't use it in the context of Laravel directly probably because, you know, you can just create arbitrary configuration files. But if you, you've got your own vanilla PHP projects, it might come into play there. Absolutely. Okay, let's kind of talk about, since we're already on that, let's kind of talk about some of the other things that have been created uh, that aren't necessarily, they're not tutorials, but they're more like plugins or or Laravel-related tools, mm-hmm. if you will. So maybe the next thing we could talk about is Laravel Docs workflow for Alfred. Uh, I think, are you using this already? Yeah, I started using it. Uh, I have to remember to keep yeah, why using you- it. <laughs> Yeah, why don't you talk about this one a little yeah. bit then? I do not use Alfred, so I'm, I can't speak intelligently about this. And I would actually, maybe we'll talk about Alfred a little bit sure. to start out here. So t- talk to me about Alfred. What is Alfred? So if you've ever used uh, it, so Alfred is a macOS uh, utility that sort of builds on the default spotlight functionality. So by default in macOS, you've got the command spacebar, which brings up the little spotlight search and you can switch apps and open files and, and do you know, web searches and things like that. Alfred is a highly customizable and configurable version of that. So it allows you to create workflows to do other things. For example, this Laravel documentation lookup, uh, but you can do, you know, text expanding and things like that as well. There's a whole heap of stuff that really, I'm only using it for its app switching functionality, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that, that you can do with it. So Till Cruz actually built a workflow for searching the Laravel documentation. So you can basically pop up with the command space bar or whatever your hotkey is, the Alfred window, and then you can type LD, Laravel docs, space, and then uh, whatever you're looking for. So in the example, we've got tests, or you can search for database, or you can even look for specific values within, you know, like eloquent relationships, for example, and it will give you uh, options to 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 look at that and then you can basically hit enter and it'll take you directly to that documentation page so it, it essentially leverages all of the underlying search functionality that that already exists on the on the laravel docs it just gives you an interface on your computer to get there much quicker rather than having to open up the browser and then type in you know laravel.com slash docs and then searching there so it's all about speeding up the workflow for you as as a developer looking at the documentation yeah so you can kind of um so I use, I, in this case, use Dash, which is basically a local version mm-hmm. of any sort of docs that you would need. So I have that for like Carbon. I have that for Faker. I have it for all the Laravel different versions and things like that. That is one thing that's interesting too. I wonder, is this scoped to only be the most recent version or can you yeah, ask it to look at different versions? Yeah, out of the box, it's scoped to master, I think, but you can configure it to be whichever version you need it to be. Gotcha. You can even search, I think, the specific version. There's functionality to do that, like if you search LD 5, 5.6 or whatever. So I could be wrong there, but uh, you can definitely configure it to uh, to target a specific version if if you want to, you know, if you're working in an LTS project you could scope it to 5.5 and, and it would always bring you the documentation for 5.5. Yep. So um, just as a, just kind of on the Alfred side of things here. So you can download Alfred for free, I believe. Uh, the power pack is the one that allows you to kind of do um, custom actions and things like that. But the the regular one, uh, 
is, as I said, to boost your efficiency with hotkeys, keywords, text expansion, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Uh, so you might check that out. While, while we're on the topic of the, the searches, there is, there is someone who has created a Tailwind Docs workflow as well. So works exactly the same as the Laravel one. You just type TW and then font or style or color or whatever, and it'll take you straight to the Tailwind documentation as well. So we'll, nice. we'll link that up in the show notes if you want to check that out as well. Cool. So Jigsaw, Laravel Jigsaw has been kind of getting some love recently. Uh, I know we've talked about it the last couple of shows. And so now there's actually an email framework for rapid HTML email development. And it's, it's a static site generator tailored to email. So it's more like a project than a package that you install. But I'll just read the kind of the, the, the tagline for it here. It says this, Maisel is an email framework made for developers. It brings together open source tools such as Jigsaw and Tailwind CSS to create a solid workflow for HTML email development. So if you've ever had to create HTML emails, you know how painful this process can be. So any of you who have been um, tasked with this, or I know I met a guy at a conference one time, this was literally all he did. This was his job, was to create HTML emails all day long. That was his it's job. It's not a pleasant job, but someone has to do it, right? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So it uses Jigsaw to kind of allow you to be able to have a framework to generate these things. And then it can use uh, Puppeteer essentially to go through and take screenshots of all the different devices that you would want it to use. So like you can have it, you can see what it looked like on an iPad mini on an iPhone 6 essentially. And then it'll just kind of push those all out there for you to, to take a look at. Uh, so really cool framework. It's free to use. Uh, I'm going to grab the name of the person who created it here because I feel like they deserve some credits. And the, also the site looks really good. Mm. looks Very really, really crisp. good. Yes, absolutely. Cosmin Popovici. Cosmin Popovici. Ah. That sounds good. Popovici. All right. He's from Romania. He's from Bucharest, Romania. So, uh, nice job. Well done on this. It looks really, really good. Yeah. And I would check it out if uh, you're one of those people who happens to have to create and deliver HTML emails. Yeah, this is... save you some serious time. Uh, we might link it up in the show notes. I know that in one of the recent episodes of 20% Time with Caleb Porzio and Daniel Colborn, they were talking about using some of the underlying Laravel functionality to generate HTML emails. And some the, the way that the Laravel framework does it is it will actually read your classes and then rewrite the, you know, the, the CSS classes to be inline style tags. And so, and this is what you have to do with HTML email to make it basically work across multiple providers and to render clients correctly, and things yeah. like that is to actually include inline styles and you've got to use tables and things like that which, you know, we talked about this person that you met that has to do this for a living. It's not it's not pleasant. And if it's something that you only have to do every now and then, it's not something that you really want to sit and think about. So having a tool like Maisel to to do the, all this for you makes it really handy. And it, and it means you can not break out of your general workflow. You can write your HTML as you would normally write it. You've got the power of Blade so that you can use, you know, templates and extend layouts and things like that. And it'll all compile down into you know, inline styles for you automatically. So definitely worth checking out if you have to, you know, if you're wanting to use something that's outside of the default Laravel mail layouts, you know, if you want to customize a bit more than just the colors, if you want to build your own own layouts specifically, then definitely check this out. Yep. For those of you who are using uh, old versions where it actually doesn't do that, the CSS inlining, which I did not know it did that, by the way, I've always used this package instead. It's called Laravel Mail CSS inliner, which does that. Essentially, it will take 
whatever styles you have and we'll actually apply them directly to the tags instead of uh, doing it as like a style tag at the very top. So yeah, we'll, we'll link that up in the show notes as well. Cool. Okay, moving on here. So we've got uh, two more packages that we wanted to talk about. One is Laravel Love. The other, other one is Laravel Befriend. These are both kind of related. So Laravel Love is likes and dislikes for eloquent models. So there just seems like to be a lot of these sort of packages where it's essentially like you add a trait and it's like a bolt-on piece of behavior that you can just throw onto any sort of eloquent model, right? So Spassi has like the activity monitor package. Uh, this is likes and dislikes. Uh, the other one that we have Laravel Befriend is like allows you to follow and filter based on people that you friend and stuff like that. So this one is a package by Anton Komarev uh, that lets people express how they feel about content by liking and disliking eloquent models. So think like the thumbs up on Facebook or the heart on Twitter, that's exactly what it does. So it works by defining a like or model defined with a contract. So this would be your user, very likely, uh, would be the one that's liking a particular thing, like a post or I don't know what else, a comment maybe. Yeah. Uh, so essentially all you do is you add the likable trait to your model and then it gives you, exposes a couple uh, new methods for your model. Uh, like, liked by, unlike, toggle, like, dislike. So. Uh, that's pretty much it. I think you get the you, you get the idea. So there's that. So it's at cyb, cybercog slash Laravel dash love is where it's at on GitHub. And let's talk about the other one real quick here. Laravel befriend. I'm guessing you can also kind of understand the logic behind this. So it uses traits and contracts to implement the ability to follow, block, and like eloquent models. So the other thing which it does, which is nice, is it allows you to kind of do filtering. Uh, so you can kind of show like a digest based on the people that you're following, mm -hmm. which is which I, I think could be useful, right? Yeah. Uh, so if these are things you've tried to have, you've tried to implement yourself, or you have to implement for for a project that you're working on, it would definitely be, you know, advantageous to take a look, even if you don't just drop this package in to at least see how some of these people who have had to do it have uh, have solved this problem uh, themselves. Even just take a couple of the good ideas and and go run with it. Yeah. So. There we go. I think that's all the packages we have for today. That is. Okay. What else we got here, Michael? So we've got, let's kind of like shift gears here. Let's talk about the tutorials here. So we've got Jigsaw and Netlify. Why don't we start it with that? And I think you might actually better be the better qualified person to talk about <laughs> this one. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Jigsaw and Netlify? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've put together a couple of videos and I have a couple more that I'd like to put together, but I've got a little time sink on my hands at the moment. So I don't really get much free time to just step away and record a video. But there's been a little bit of talk lately about, you know, Jigsaw. We've talked about it in the last couple of episodes. I think Titan, who are responsible for creating Jigsaw, have uh, have given a bit of a, a renewed push in terms of putting up a website, showcasing different websites that are built with Tailwind. And someone had mentioned to me, uh, well, I've been hearing about Netlify for some time, but I thought I'd have a play around with getting it actually set up and running and, and seeing if we can build a, a Jigsaw site on Netlify. So Netlify is free static site hosting. You basically hook it up to your Git repository. And every time you, you push to master, every time you make a pull request, it will build a version of the site and then deploy it uh, on a free CDN with you know custom URLs. It gives you... Uh, SSL out of the box, ready to go. So, but uh, what I was trying to get at with with the video that I put together was just how quickly you can get a site up and running. And I, I the, the first video I put up 
from from start to finish included the composer create it included installing all the dependencies it included setting up github it included building the the project on netlify it took less than 10 minutes so if you know you want to get something up and running quickly netlify and jigsaw is is a pretty good way of doing it if you don't want to burden yourself with you know building admin panels and things like that for for blogs or if you just want to build a static site and get it hosted easily for you know your community project or whatever uh, then the netlify is certainly a good good way of doing it and chris forrance who we talked about last week that did the live blog of Laracon US this year use uh, Netlify and, and Jigsaw to, to host that as well. And we'll link up his uh, blog post in the show notes on, on how he went about that. But if it's something that you're interested in, you want to have a have a look about it, I'm trying to put together uh, a few more videos. I did mention that I have someone on my hands that kind of takes up most of my free time at the moment, but I've got some <laughs> some more videos coming in terms of getting set up with uh, custom builds and adding in build more advanced build stuff so adding tailwind into it and and things like that they've also got some cool stuff around forms and and handling uh, like a cms you can build a cms just by including some javascript into a into a page there for you and some of the stuff that netlify is doing and and doing for for free for end users is is really cool yeah so like typically on a static site um one of the one of the sucky things is like if you want to have just a static site that you're deploying that you're doing for free, which again, by the way, is just incredibly generous of them. One of the problems is you can't really have like a contact form because in order to have a contact form, you have to have some sort of backend process that's going to send that email out. So you can revert to like using just a mail to link, which is fine, but sometimes it feels a little more professional and a little more simple to use if you have an actual contact form on your page. So they kind of allow you to do that, right? They basically, I'm, I don't know exactly how that works, but I've, I've heard that. So the, don't they like have a a thing where you can you can create a little contact form yeah. for, from them that they'll handle? Yeah, so essentially you just attach an attribute to your form. So it's in your form tag, you just add a Netlify attribute and it will uh, intercept the, the submission and it will take all the, the fields that are in that form and then I guess present a, an interface in the Netlify admin area that shows you the submissions that came through. So I haven't played around with it yet, but uh, hopefully I'll get around to that soon. And I think they also can do some sort of authentication and stuff. So it's it's kind of interesting because it's like a static site, but then they kind of have these little abilities sprinkled on top of it that are really convenient and really nice. Um, so yeah, Netlify looks looks pretty awesome. All right, moving on. Jigsaw Netlify. Thank you for putting that together, Michael. Appreciate it. Then we had Laracon Chicago recap, which we kind of talked about this a little bit. I'm going to look at this real quick. I'm not sure if there was anything. No, it's mostly mostly photos from from the event. We'll link up. That Yaz, was an awesome event. Yaz Jalad took Ninja Parade. Ninja Parade, yep. we'll link up his l- album on Flickr. I think I'm surprised Flickr's still around, but he's got yeah, I think that's what it was. a Flickr library up of some eight, 900 photos that he took from Laracon US. If you want to peruse through, there's some pretty cool ones there. I think he got a bit excited with the fisheye lens personally, but... Uh, Yes, he did. He even got in front of the camera <laughs> for a couple of them, which is very, very unusual for him. So, thanks to yeah. thanks to Yaz for putting those, well, taking those photos and, and getting them out. They uh, they came out really well. Looking for some community members here. I see Chris Kamir. I see Ben Corlett. I see Sam. What's his last name? I don't remember what his last name is. I see him on Twitter. Hey, Sam. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's anybody. Oh, there's uh, Bill Condo. 
Dude's been to every single Laracon. Nice. He's a trip. Ian Landsman. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, a, great, a, lot of, a lot of great photos. So go check those out. Okay. What else we got here? All right. So the other tutorials that are on here. Okay. So this this kind of ties in together with the 5.7 changes. So we're going we're gonna to talk about both of them here. So in 5.7, there is a resources directory change. So they're changing the way that the resources directory is laid out in Laravel 5.7. We're going to put that on pause for one second here. But one of the readers who uh, is a Laravel News reader kind of said they would prefer to have their application views outside of the resources folder, mm -hmm. which is completely fine. So Paul Redmond, everybody's favorite human, said, you know what? I can show you how to do that. So he wrote a blog post on how to customize the view path. So it's literally go into the config slash views.php config file and change the path. Yep. And there you go. And you can even prevent you can even provide multiple paths. So you can say, like, hey, here's one set of views, here's another set of views in this other location. So you can you can pass in as many as you'd like there. So yeah, there's it's it's um it's a it's a much quicker and easier way of basically hinting at different view paths than you know you would do it if you were providing a package, you might do it in a service provider. Obviously, if you've got control of the application, you know where all your views are. So you might put them in the in the app path, or you might put them in the base path or whatever. The one caveat that that Paul did mention is that all of the scaffolding right. functions in Laravel will assume that it's going into resources views. So if you're starting a new application and you want to move your views into a different path, perhaps it's best if you were to generate the scaffolding first, then move and update all of your configuration uh, because all of that stuff is essentially hard-coded to the resources views path in a, in a, in a Laravel installation. So, I mean, if, if you're doing it, you know what you're doing. Uh, but for most people, I would say stick with the, the conventions in the framework just to, you know, make it easier to jump between projects, to share the projects with other people and things like that. Yep, absolutely. So with that in mind, let's kind of talk about uh, what's going on with the 5.7 resources directory changes. I'll let you take this one if you'd like to, otherwise I can. Yeah. So Taylor tweeted out the other day that essentially we're going to flatten that directory down. So rather than having a resources assets directory, which contains your JS and SAS and CSS and whatever else, it's all just going to be in the resources directory now. So you, so you basically have resources JS, resources SAS, resources views, all in a flat structure within that resources directory. If you've got stuff in an existing application that you're upgrading, then you don't have to change anything. Like it'll all keep working, but for a fresh Laravel 5.7 installation, it's going to look for, you know, you have resources as a flat directory structure. Yeah. It was kind of amazing how many waves this created. I mean, it's literally such a small change. Changing directory structure um, always upsets people. Like people are still trying to get the models directory added back to the app directory. So <laughs> it's been gone. That's it's, the funny it's, thing it's, too. It's it's been gone, like, you could just chuck it in there yeah, yourself. It's been gone, people. Let yeah. it go. Or just, you know, if you yeah. want to use models, then... With the, the make model command, you can just pass the full namespace and it'll do it for you. Like, this, 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 let's get past it. Oh, so funny. So, like, if you watched Adam Wathen's talk, he was creating classes during his talk and he would just say PHP artisan uh, make model and then he would name it some class that wasn't a model. And he's like, no, this isn't going to be a model. That's just the fastest way to, to make a class <laughs> in the root path or in the app path. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just throws everything in the app path and then just renames it or, you know, uh, cuts off the extends eloquent or extends model or whatever mm -hmm. at the end of the class. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. He just chucks everything in the app path. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, seems fine. Every class until he like decides. Yeah. Until he decides he needs to move it yeah. out somewhere else. So it's like, like yeah. once it goes past one, one scroll length, then it's maybe time to start organizing things. 
That's funny because I always like I always really get hung up on that. Like, oh, where should I put this? Where should I put this? But, so, but the but the trouble, I can understand. I, the trouble with that is that like naming things is hard, and when you start creating directories and looking for for places to put these things, you spend all of your time thinking about what to call it and does it go in this directory or does it yep. like should I put it in users slash models or should I put it in models slash user? And it's it's all too hard. Just throw it all until it becomes a burden. Just just place it all in the app directory. You've got code to write yeah let, let the pain tell you listen to the pain wasn't that part okay. of jeffrey's talk last so year pain driven development mm, yeah i think it was wasn't it i don't know if that was i don't know if that was the actual name of it but yeah something like that okay so let's talk about this other one 5.7 callable action urls so this is a new thing uh submitted by sebastian Dedine. so you also might hear this feature called tuple notation or a callable array syntax for url generation actions so we currently have something in um, Laravel, which is like an action helper, I believe. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that you pass that in right now, so typically what I do is I will use a route helper, right? So I will, in my routes file, I will 99.9% .9 of the time, in fact, I don't know anytime I haven't ever done this, I always name my routes. Yep. So I'll say route and then typically the verb that I'm going to use, so like get, post, whatever pass uh, to it the pattern and then the controller and the action and the controller and the method is going to go to and then arrow name, name it, right? There you go. There you go. And then within my controllers or within anywhere where I want to reference a URL, I will use the route helper. So I'll say route as the first argument. I will pass the name of the route and then any parameters that I need, yep. right? Yep. So the action helper is a similar concept. But what you do is instead of passing the route name, you pass the controller and the method. And I believe it then figures out where the route or what the route is, yeah. I believe is how that works. Yeah. So that being said, that that works, that still works. However, the, the notation that they're using now allows you to pass in an array into that action. So it's a action and then instead of the instead of like post controller at index, you're gonna say array post controller class as the first argument and then index as the second argument. So why is that important? Why does that matter? What it allows you to do is it will allow you to, in your IDE, it would allow you to click through into the post controller class. So if you're in your code and you're looking at the post controller class, you can just click right into it. Other than that, I don't really know a whole lot of what the, why yeah but there are there are two there. there are two things here i'm with you on the route thing the the route helper is really useful because it allows you to change your controller names and your um, method names without having to update the route name so you could have post controller right. show and you might change it for whatever reason to post controller view well then you have to go and find every instance that you've called post controller show in in these action helpers and replace it so that's one of the, the real benefits of using route over any of the other URL-based helpers. The other thing, I mean, it makes it easier for you to click through and navigate in your IDE. I mean, Command-P or whatever the search is in PHP Storm, who's who's using a mouse in, in their text editor? Like, please, <laughs> keep your hands on the keyboard. Oh, you you so high and mighty. Keep your hands Don't on the keyboard and drive. The keyboard. I'm just sure. Two, yeah, right. Two, two hands on the wheel when we're driving, Jake. Not all of us are recording videos <laughs> oh while we're driving. Oh, my gosh. Okay, guilty. 
that has nothing to do with this discussion. Two hands on the I wheel. I do record videos while I drive. Two two hands on the <laughs> wheel, please. There's no no reason for the mouse to be involved. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's a convenience thing, right? It's a convenience thing. I am kind of surprised that Taylor pulled it in. I guess I don't know. Like if I'd be interested to look at the pull request and see like what the argumentation was for this. Like what is yeah. the reason for like, it? Like it'd but be cool to see it in it's, other places. Like if it was consistent, if I could use it in maybe my routes file and I could use that you know, class and then method thing. But, I, you know, I'm probably just going to continue using the strings because it makes no difference to me either way. Yeah, I remember being like really shocked when I first saw this. Like, oh, there's an action helper? What is this? <sighs> well, I don't know what this is. I remember being like, you know. Yeah, I think it's a holdover from like the Code Igniter days. Yeah, yeah, it's been out for a while. Yeah, It's been out there. Okay, I think that's everything. Mm-hmm. I think we've talked about everything on our list. So... I pulled up a couple different tutorials that looked interesting. So I'm just going to talk about a few of them here. So this is interesting to me because I haven't, I'm, I'm kind of looking at doing something similar to this right now. So it's called creating an event ticketing service using Laravel API, React, JS, Next to JS, and Material UI. So I'm interested to take a look at this. I want to see kind of what they're doing with their ticketing system and how they're, how they're doing this. So how they're representing that. Haven't read through it at all yet. So don't know anything about it. Thought I'd just throw it out there and I, looked, I thought it looked interesting. Nice. Uh, so that is by Ryo. There's mocking external APIs with Laravel and VCR. So this is interesting. Uh, have you ever had a situation where you need to mock an external API? Um, I've had a situation where I've had to mock physical hardware this last week and I don't want to talk about it oh, anymore. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so you should, yours should have been... Mocking external VCRs yeah. with Laravel. Yeah, basically. That's what actual hardware, VCR hardware. So, yeah, it's probably not uncommon that you'd run into this situation. One I can think of that's probably pretty common is Stripe, right? So yeah. you're going to be like hitting. Now, that being said, like there's, it's very likely that you're going to be interacting with some sort of like Stripe PHP library that's going to abstract that even further. So it's going to handle kind of the uh, translation to the API layer and send that out. But like I have this, for example, in our in our systems where I will have a I have this API that we've built internally and I need to talk to it. But my tests, I don't really want to talk to that thing. Mm-hmm. So the way that we typically will do it is we will have a We'll call it a gateway. So we'll call it, let's just say, for example, we'll say an auth gateway. And then what we'll have is we'll have two implementations of that. We'll have an HTTP auth gateway, then we'll have a fake auth gateway. And the fake auth gateway is just where we can kind of chuck our our little stubs for like what we expect to come. And then we can throw some little test um, stuff in there too. So like if I send through a user of 666, I'll return a failed authorization or something, right? So just kind of like stub that out or I don't even know if that's the right word for it, stub it out, but mock it really essentially, right, is what it is. But this essentially is mocking external APIs with Laravel and VCR. VCR essentially will record the responses of an API and then store those in a sort of um, stubs directory. Is that what I'm thinking? Not stubs. What's the uh, fixtures? A fixtures directory, I think. And then it will allow you to essentially make assertions against against those responses. But then the next time you call it, it doesn't actually reach out to the API. It just uses the stored values that you had in there. So think like snapshot testing, like just snapshot testing for your API. Yes. Yeah. Is that a good way to think of it? I think so. Right. So like you say, right. So like um, I, I could say like in my just test, I say, hey, this is what I expect the stuff to look like. And then if something changes and it breaks, then you could say, okay, like update the snapshot. You could do the same thing with the VCR. You could say like, oh, the assertion is no longer correct. 
it broke. So that either means your your code broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know contract with the API is probably what it means, but it could also be that you're you're changing your API as well. So you would just basically refresh your VCR uh, recordings, and then you'd be all set. Nice, kind of cool. Nice, something interesting to look into. Um, let's see what else was there. There was one other one that looked interesting. Supercharge your Excel exports in Laravel. So this talks about the Laravel Excel 3.0 library that's out there, which I use on a regular basis. Nice. So I'm gonna read this. So uh, yeah, we'll link these up in the in the show notes. Did you see anything else that kind of looked interesting? Not to you, not from the community links, but there is one thing that we have to talk about, and that is this security release that was out for both Laravel five five and five six. We missed it. So let's talk about it. There was a security fix that has been released for both five five the LTS version and five six, and it is recommended for all users to upgrade as soon as possible. So the, the vulnerability itself may only be exploded if your application's encryption key, the app key environment variable has been accessed by a malicious user or if it was, you know, someone who's left your, your place of employment or that, you know, they've somehow otherwise got access to the app key. If for any reason you believe that the encryption key is in the hands of a malicious party, you should rotate it. So basically generate a new one. But this is a breaking change to the way that cookie encryption and serialization logic is handled. So we'll put the the link up in the show notes. Make sure you read the upgrade notes. It shouldn't affect too much in your application. There is a backwards compatible uh, path forward where you can continue to serialize your uh, application cookies. This won't affect things like uh, authentication and user passwords. This only affects the... Uh, encrypt and decrypt or the crypt facade functionality within the framework. But you are all urged to update if you are using Laravel 5.5 and 5.6. If you are using older versions, this probably still affects you and uh, it won't be fixed by the by Laravel's uh, maintenance schedule. So you will either need to backport those fixes yourself or preferably upgrade to a newer version of Laravel. So the exploit here is not necessarily so here's the deal if you're ever if your app key is ever leaked you're sort of in a bad spot period mm-hmm. but before this right so it's not like if your app key was leaked before this uh or, or you know if your app key is leaked after you patch this you're all good you're not mm-hmm. that's still not a good situation so if your app key is ever leaked that's always going to be a bad situation but specifically this one is talking about it looks like because I was trying to understand like what it is that's happening here, like how is this working, right? And it seems like vo- there's vulnerabilities inherent to PHP object serialization and unserialization, such as calling arbitrary class methods within your application. And so, if somebody was able to craft a cookie with that a- application key, they could possibly execute code within your application. Yeah, it looks like yeah. I think that's what we're talking about yeah. here. So it's disabling cookie. It's disabling serialization on all cookie values. That's what it's doing. Yeah, and and that's what this patch does. And as as we said, bear in mind this will only affect you if the key has been leaked. So if if, if mm-hmm. the key hasn't been leaked, you'll be you know in quotes okay. But rotate your key, update the framework, and for most people, this probably won't affect you. Your users will probably be logged out as the the cookie serialization and deserialization method uh, has changed. Uh, But other than that, there shouldn't be any far-reaching effects. Yeah. Uh, It was was one thing I was going to say about this. What was it? 
Oh, yeah. Like if you do, if you if you rotate your app key. So by default, all of the cookies that Laravel makes are going to be encrypted with your app key. So if you change your app key, it's going to invalidate any sessions and any cookies that are stored on the user's computer. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty important note there. So if you've got some important stuff that's out there, I think there's, um, I think they've got some workarounds for how you can handle that. But just be aware of that yeah. as well. If you're going to rotate your app key, it's going to invalidate any sessions for people that have been like, you know, have like um, long-standing cookies that allow them to be logged in the next time they come back yeah. and everything. It's going to log everybody out. Yeah. I mean, as we said, this is a breaking change by default. There is functionality if you wish to preserve the serialization functionality. Uh, it's just something that you can add into one of the middlewares, I think, or in your HTTP kernel. Uh, but definitely check the upgrade notes uh, before before making the change and, and understand what implications it has on your application. Yep, yep. You should talk about Laravel AU or Laracon AU. I was AU. just about to do that. By the time this episode airs, there will be probably about five or six days left of the early bird for Laracon Australia. So I think, well, unless all the tickets sell out. So we've got about 16 tickets left at the time of this recording. Uh, after that, the price will go up from the early bird 349 to the full, I guess, late bird price of 399 That is for both days of the conference. So we've put all of our speakers together now. The schedule uh, will be updated on Monday, the 20th of August. So once the schedule is up and all the talk titles are up, there will be no more early bird unless the early bird tickets sell out before that happens. So it's shaping up to be a, a really good conference. We have probably about 40 tickets left in total. So I'm, I'm really excited about the, the speakers that we've got lined up. There's going to be some really good talks we're going to cover. Like any other Laracon in years gone by, we'll cover Laravel, we'll cover technical things, we'll cover design, we'll cover UI, UX, and, and some of the, the softer aspects of, of being a developer as well. So uh, if you are able to make it, we look forward to seeing you there. It's not... Not too far off now. It's really starting to creep up on us. But uh, I received the the sample stickers for the conference. I've got sample T-shirts on their way. So it's all all full steam ahead now. And uh, I look forward to having my own Laracon scenes. I couldn't make it to Chicago this year. Absolutely. It looks like it's going to be awesome. You have a lot of the big hitters coming in uh, for Laracon AU. And uh, so it should be incredible. I wish I could make it, but uh, you know. You know how it is. Well, I don't know. uh, I mean, you told me you had a leave pass and now you're not coming. So, (laughs) oh my. Yeah. So, like, actually, I don't know if you guys want to like start a petition. (laughs) What is it it that everyone's doing these days? A uh, GoFundMe? Yeah. GoFundMe. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Something (laughs) like that to raise money for babysitting for my wife so she doesn't have to babysit (laughs) for, you know, not babysit. There are children, so it's not babysitting. Watching four kids by yourself for a whole week is a lot of work. Um, Watching one is hard enough. So, I don't know how you do it with four. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think you can. I mean, like, how do you do that by yourself for four days? You couldn't do it. No. You couldn't do it. You'd go crazy. You'd go crazy. So anyway, yeah. So yeah, uh, Laracon AU. Year. Yeah, Lar- check out laracon.com.au. Link will be in the show notes. Uh, we hope to see you there. All right, everybody. I think that is it. This has been episode 67. If you liked this show, please feel free to rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be excellent. Show notes for this episode will be at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 67. And of course, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Michael or myself on Twitter at Michael Dorinda at Jacob Bennett 
or at Laravel News. Thanks, Michael, for uh, letting the baby cry so we could talk for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> Tough love. What was I watching the other right. day? Who, I was right. listening to someone the other day. You... You, you you can be tough on them early and you can soften up on them later, but you can't start soft because they'll see right through it when you try it and toughen up later. Yeah, that's true, man. It's like, that's how it was. I remember when I was a teacher, I used to be a teacher. Remember that? Yeah, math teacher. I'd have people like be like, yeah, I had like other experienced teachers be like, don't, they would literally do this. Like, don't smile for the first semester. That's semester. craziness. Like you're, in, yeah, like I know, right? <laughs> so I would kind of, start out pretty hard-nosed about like things and be like hey this is the syllabus this is what we're doing this is how it works and then by the time midterms came we were finishing up our review for this for the midterms and we would watch nacho libre every <laughs> every class twice a year we would do this actually there was two different movies i watched we were like we would watch nacho libre and we would watch um stand and deliver which is this really good movie about these kids in like LA who are trying to study for AP calculus. It's actually a really good movie. It sounds lame, but it's pretty awesome. So anyway, yeah, we, we got along after a while, but yeah, you gotta be, gotta be hard at first. So yeah. anyway, uh, all right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you in two weeks. See you. Bye.